Zanzizi Zanbibi. Welcome to the Zanzizi Podcast. Zanzizi Zambibi. Welcome to the Zanzizi Podcast. I'm Rad Dad 2023, still live and on the interwebs with my boys on the West Coast, the serial chillers themselves chilling. What's Ayo. up? Yeah. Dudes. Hard, dude. Jesse, Greg, what is happening? How are we doing? Looking- We're doing very well. Just living uh, three hours in the past from you. <laughs> Uh, hanging out in our studio and just wondering what 514 was like for you. Ah, yeah. uh, <laughs> fuck. I was walking the dog. The dog stopped, uh, smelled like six random things, took a shit. I picked it up like a good, you know, neighbor person and put it in the waste bin. And that was it. All right. A productive 514, <laughs> just like we we're having. That's exactly what I did at 514. I went oh. out, I smelled a few random things, shit in my neighbor's yard. <laughs> Sweet. I just moved into the neighborhood. I'm trying to establish dominance. There you go. I get it. Um, so, guys, I we we had you, Greg, on, but we never had you on, Jesse, on conspiracy right. therapy. Right. But I was able to come on Serial Chillers before. But if you're a new fan to this show and you're checking us out or you're a fan of the Serial Chillers in the past, you guys took a break came back can you can you just kind of expound upon what you guys like do some people yeah uh so contrary to popular belief it's the first we are the world's first true crime game show hell yeah uh another one came out during our break and claimed they were the first we won't name them so you don't go find them but uh they're let's just say that they're not doing it anymore and a bunch of people from (laughs) like Team Serial Chillers went over there and was like, actually, <laughs> yeah, you so, guys aren't the first. So we do a true crime game show. We have guests on every week. Um, generally, I host, but Greg's been doing a, a good amount of the hosting every few episodes now, too. So we're basically kind of splitting tasks over here. And um, yeah, I mean, that's really it. We go over the lifetimes of someone... Um, a serial killer, something true crime, dark, creepy, or otherwise I was going to say, you should have just hit him with the beginning of the yeah. show. Yeah, yeah dude. So. Have a lot of fun doing that, and just every Friday, we're out every Friday. Sweet. Well, you guys do that. We we I in the past I I hosted a show that was kind of similar, but we didn't do the game show thing. We just tried to make a verdict up. And if you you're listening to this, you probably listened to that, and you probably listened to them. So you guys did get quizzical every now and again. occasionally. We did. <laughs> we 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 did, but usually it just led to insane results or goofiness. I mean, we never took it seriously and I don't really take life seriously to begin with. And why, why should you? It's tough to, it it can be living in the times we do, but I sent a message to Jesse and I said, friend, what would you like to cover and come on my new show? And he chose a Mr. Stephen King. Yeah. You know, I, I got to cover pretty dark stuff generally, but it's all real. Of course. Uh, and so to escape, I, I love me some fiction. And um, I'm playing a little I, Overlook ho- Hotel music in the background here. For ooh, us. ooh, I like that. Um, 
And honestly, I always send it to Greg whenever I finish one. Besides the Dark Tower series, I have read every Stephen King book there is. I, you know, I, I was thinking about this in my head, and I'm, I'm super glad that you're, you're a huge fan because I too am a huge Stephen King fan. I, so awesome. it was like one of my first huge passions was reading his books because it was, it was easy enough, I think, for like a. T- 11 12 year old to get into it and it was like creepy and adult enough that it was like kind of what i was looking for right it's um so with with stephen king what was what were what was your first book that you read of his tommy knockers interesting yeah i think it um had a lot to do with it was like a, a core memory as a movie Okay. So Pet Cemetery and Tommy Knockers are like two IPs of Stephen King's that like hit me at a very young age that kind of resonated heavily. And then by the time I was about what you said, probably 12 or 13, yeah. so I was like, you know, these are books, right? I was like, right. what the fuck? <laughs> and uh, and I was at a point too where we were reading like, you know, Hatchet and Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Great Gatsby. Great Gatsby and mm-hmm. maybe like uh Lord of the Flies, and and not that those books weren't aren't literary classics, but they just didn't grab me, right? And then the my first dad time... made me read John Madden's book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I I was talking to to Larry, you know, uh, from yeah, we love Larry. Me. Yeah. I was talking to Larry, and I was like, honestly, the first book I ever got it was even before Stephen King was an autobiography that Daryl Strawberry wrote. Yeah, and it was way too adult for me. I was like, "What is? What is? Man, cocaine? this guy did a lot of cocaine. <laughs> what is intravenous drug use? Yeah, like Jesus, I didn't know. Oh, I, there's so many words, Dad. I don't understand. You know, he's like, he's like, you know, what? better let me take that. This one is called how, Cat in the Hat. How do you pronounce this? Ch- Chalimidia? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dad, what's hey, listen, an ST? Any book is a children's book if the kid can read. Hey, well, that's. It, <laughs> One day I hope to read a Stephen King book. As soon as Jesse and I fi- finish the worksheets and he teaches me how to read, <laughs> I mean, like I'm I'm gonna read a book. <laughs> so, Greg, did did you similarly were you a fan of him or have been? I at have all? I have ne- I, I like the ideas that come from his work. Like I've seen The Shining, I like it. I've seen like the old It, I like it. Um, like I've seen a lot of his works and like the references of his works in pop culture and stuff like that. And so I dig it. I just, I'm not a strong reader, man. And I get you. audiobooks, audiobooks, uh, I, I do audiobooks, but I listen to a lot more, um, conspiracy related stuff. Oh, I get you. I, I, I don't listen to, to a lot of fiction, which if you know, Greg is not shocking. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I, I don't listen to a lot of fiction though. And so it's, it, it's hard for me to like, to buy know, diso- to disassociate enough to be like, oh, what? There's a town that lives under a glass dome, dude. Have you heard about Dyson spheres? That shit's real as fuck. I know. You, See that? Gotten the synopsis at the end of every title. Yeah, and, and I so. dig the concept and would That's... totally watch all of them as movies or like a short series or something like that. Would 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 absolutely binge that. And I'm not a strong reader. I'm 110 percent with you. I I this isn't a review show, and I I, I intend to not critique in-depth Stephen King in any way. I think he's a master storyteller. I think he's possibly in the top three American pop culture icons because of the impact that he's had. I think Greg's right, though. I think, honestly, it's in his 
proof of concept that you can get just from reading his books that he comes up with like almost like fairies tale fairy tale for a modern age like right in all of his stories there's always a hook whether it be oh a uh, dude hits a gypsy and then he gets a thin man curse or whatever or yes, I love that uh, killer there's there's always a sense of mysticism in everything that he writes there's like an error of magic to it because like I mean the car what was it Christine Christine, mm-hmm. Christine yeah, yeah like um a magic car that's fucking cool man like that's an evil magic yeah car. if it wasn't evil it'd be grease and a yeah. young you know what I mean <laughs> and a young John Carp Carpenter movie came yeah from yeah it too. exactly great and soundtrack. to kind of go along with what you said with him writing fairy tales for a modern time uh, his most recent book is called fairy tales yeah and it is <laughs> for a modern time and, <laughs> and it is it is it truly is like it takes a lot of the ideas from those stories and doesn't give you like it's not like oh here's this version of Humpty Dumpty and here's this <laughs> it's not Grimm's where it's just dark for the sake right. of being dark I mean it is dark but it's just like it's a whole different take on it and it's like a boy from our world goes into their world right and and it's yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool it's, it's not like great. a Humpty Dumpty who goes to Houston bus stops to pick up you know teenage boys and stuff Dumpty's not an egg in his version. It's a it's a guy with glass bones and paper skin. Oh God, I kind of want to read that book now. Um, now we gotta wait for Greg to write it. There you go. Keep waiting, dude. After reading comes writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, look, let let's um. Do we want to say up top our favorite King books, or should we get, wait for that in the second segment? We can do that. You, you tell me. I honestly, I, I could not put one. I think I have like a list of ten books that were like, yeah, these are my top. And then I have like a my favorite adaptations. Kind of broken down like. That. I love the way you did that, like a like a podcast host you did, and I'm <laughs> and, and like the unprepared hot coast pod coast podcast. See, I'm fucking. I'm still stupid, even not drinking. Oh. So. Baby, make me wish I had three hands. Still a great movie. Uh, Stephen King. Stephen King is amazing. And I'm going to go through it. And I think what we can do is win in his career. Because this is a history podcast, basically. We're going to talk through the history of Stephen King. And if something comes up and you want to kind of just tangent on it, just let me know. Sure. So, as I said, top three pop culture icons i would i would i think you'd be right i think you'd i mean if not top three top five probably for because sure he's i mean like you said it's history We're, he's pushing 50 years mm-hmm. from the book his first book's release it's yeah a long time to be famous he well, turns yeah, to, to sustain any type of career for for that amount of time and like, still be doing it and known to, for it and people not being like nah he peaked in 78 you know oh like, no, well, no 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 like in, there, the, in some... the world of sports and stuff to become proficient at your sport they say 10,000 repeti- repetitions right 10,000 swings to become a proficient hitter 10,000 slap shots to become a f- proficient shooter 10,000 jump shots whatever he's got way more time logged yeah. on any typewriter keyboard notebook right. or anything like that than a lot well, of a lot of pro athletes have in their respective field sure yeah and so then- he, i would i would say he's proficient and prolific because he just he's like the uh, uh, older Lil Wayne just putting out <laughs> so much material that he can be self-referential. He's Come the on. Lil Wayne of literature. Yeah, That's, you know what? Put it put it on the tag on this episode. He he is the Lil Wayne of. It's literature. true because he's putting out like a four hundred page book every year, which is insane. For like fifty years. I mean, spoiler alert: the dude writes 
2,000 words every day, which is like four to five hours of just tip-tap typing, you know? I'm I don't even King. say 2,000 words a day. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I'm lucky if I get 2,000... Well, I'm a mailman, so most days I do get 2,000 steps in, but yeah, I'm, I'm generally silent, and if I talk to yeah. anybody, I just headbutt them. So, Why say lot word when few word do trick? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, so Stephen King, as I said, I think, I think in many ways... He'll live on forever, like Greek mythology or the Bible or even I, comic I books. I love the idea that that's true. Oh, it's love true. It. I I believe, you know, I I don't know if you guys are big like cinephiles or anything like that. I, I was watching a movie recently, and there's this. It's this movie called The Banshees of Inisherin with uh, Colin Farrell. And there's this debate in the movie where the guy's just talking about Will is a man good if he's just nice in his life or is it his legacy that people will care about like if he's kind or are not sorry if he's kind, if he's proficient at, in artistry if he's an amazing builder like he lives lives beyond his his age and i think stephen king will live on forever i i, I mean i can't think of any other like on that almost like a michael jackson pop icon type level yeah he's because so like even if like like greg who cl- even claims man love I that i'm being compared to stephen I, king right I, now i don't fucking read man i don't read <laughs> but he knows all about oh stephen yeah king without my help he well, knows and more because i'm like yo i just finished this book let me tell you all about it Rob, i, I know i know to. a lot of the lesser known stuff because of you but yeah. like <clears throat> I know enough that, like, when I'm watching The Simpsons and they make a Stephen King reference, I'm like, "Hey, yeah." And maybe that's a good Stephen King reference. Maybe yeah. if we're if we're gonna talk adaptations, the greatest Stephen King ad- adaptation of all time was there the Shining spoof yes. from Treehouse <laughs> yes. of Horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yes. mean, you I didn't mean The Shining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <get sued>? yeah. <laughs> you don't get sued. Uh, all right, so um, I've read his book since I was little, personally. Um, I mean, I would say 10, 11, 12-ish. Is, I, my first book was actually, you said, uh, what was it, Tommyknockers? Tommyknockers. Mine was Pet Cemetery. Okay. So, Such a good book. Yeah. Actually, that book fucked me up. I had not. Yeah, it will. It that will. was one of the few books I remember Heavy. having nightmares about because I was like, oh, no, you know, our cat. Uh, she's going to come back and fuss. Yeah, Snowball's going to claw my face off. I shouldn't have. No. I shouldn't have. Sometimes dead is better. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, fuck. You know what? And that adaptation, I'm going to put that up there, too. The original 89 movie with, uh, what's his name? The the monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fred Gwynn. Fred Yes. Oh, my God. It's so fucking good. That's on my list, man. Pet Cemetery's on there. That's one of those things that was just a a line in a book that he may not have thought a whole lot about, but has, like, perforated pop culture with that road there. (laughs) Good story about that road there. (laughs) Yeah, like, you can do that, and just about anybody is going to know what you're talking about. Right, right. And, and. And instead, whether of, or not you've seen the movie or read the book, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, it's it's embedded in in the world. Like, it, people will say that line and not know. Like, hey, can you Google that real quick? Where did that? Oh hell, Stephen King wrote that in yeah, a book yeah, yeah, about yeah. dead animals. Interesting, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> but like, at the time, instead of you know, we were mentioning the the ten thousand hours to become a professional. He was 
doing 10,000 schlitz uh, yeah. to, to yeah. lubricate the gears as one will when they're mm-hmm. typing, tip-tap typing. So uh, Stephen King was born in Portland, Maine on September 21st, 1947, which would put him today at 75, which is... Badass. As I get older, it's interesting. The 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 I'm entering my I'm in my fourth decade now. So I when I see people in their fifties, sixties, and seventies, I'm like, eh, it's not that old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And and he makes it look so good too, because like when you see him, you're like, yeah, he's an older dude now. But like, I, but I, he's looked the same since right. 1989. Yeah, he's yeah. always like he's once the beard he's was had gone. The salt and pepper. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's but, true. You know, there, there is, and I, and I don't say this uh, timeless to disparage style, at all, though. but I recently saw a picture of him and a, like a really older woman. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit, is his mom still alive? Is his wife. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I felt very bad. Tabitha King hasn't aged as well as Stephen King has, um, but she's a beautiful woman who's also very good at literature. But it, it blew my mind to think, I was like, oh, yeah, he's that old, you know? Yeah. You, yeah, he is. As that pop culture figure, he's also kind of like that, oh. like uncle who introduced you to books, you know, because Think if you he read just like, like an epilogue or anything like that of his, he'll mention books that inspired this one. You're like, oh, I'll go check that one out. I feel yeah, like in true sure. Stephen King form, he probably just sold his soul to the devil for like <laughs> the ability to write good books for the rest of time. Yeah. And that's why he hasn't aged. And I mean, that's why it, it, and that's going to be the, that's going to be hit once he writes that book. It all ends. You know, it's funny. Yeah, he wrote exactly. a book about making deals with the devil. That's what I'm saying. But he didn't write it about himself. That's true. Oh, yeah, did he? Needful Things. Also one of my yeah. favorite adaptations, so movie so and good. book. It, the, yeah, like, Max von Sydow is so good in that film. <clears throat> yeah, it, it, that actually has like a cornucopia of like B, B grade actors who are yes. turning in like A plus performances. Really um, tearing up the scenery. Yeah. I love that. Shit. That's that's kind of like my hotbed, like the '90s era of of those like King King movies. Some of and, them are and like and TV adaptations. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. So okay, so his dad, and, and this is interesting too, because when I found this out, his dad was a traveling vacuum salesman after returning from World War II, who basically did the whole, I'm going to go out for a pack of smokes, and then never came back. And I I was like, is it because Stephen King told that story so much at, like, say, writing sen- seminars or, like, speaking engagements that it's become one of those sentences that I always hear people say? It's like, did Stephen King create this narrative? Did he invent, did the, he trope? invent the trope? Yeah, exactly. I like that theory, and I'm going to say, uh, without a doubt, yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm gonna I'd like to give him the credit, goddammit. <laughs> East Coast, West Coast, Unite. All right, so Yo. let's see here. Now, he, his mother was Nellie Ruth King. His parents were married in Scarborough, Maine, which I lived in Scarborough, uh, not Scarborough, uh, Topsom, Maine, which is kind of in that area. It feels very, like... If you want to feel like you're living in Castle Rock in like the 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 world that he creates in his books, just go there. I mean, more common than not, he writes from the perspective that he himself has, and you get a lot of that too, especially when it comes to things like The Shining, which is about a dude who's an alcoholic, you know, being trapped. <laughs> yeah. 
in the Overlook and Hotel. Having to overcome. Exactly. Well, and then we actually did an episode for Conspiracy Therapy about that hotel. And he stayed at the hotel that he stayed in. And it's it's, it's just... It kind of lines up with, at the time, he's, like, struggling with his addiction, and he's still putting in those 2,000 words and just, like, you know, Tabitha, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Tell those kids to quiet down. Yeah, exactly. And bring me more cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So, anyway, so when King was 11, his family moved to Durham, Maine, where his mother cared for her parents until their death. She then became a caregiver in a local residential facility for the mentally challenged. King was raised Methodist, but lost his belief in organized religion while in high school. While no longer religious currently, he says he chooses to believe in the existence of God. I'm with him on that. I've taken enough mushrooms and gotten stoned enough to be like, there's something. I just don't know what it is. (laughs) So I get where he's at. I think I believe in the Stephen King religion. Let's just make... Can he just be our God? I'll just do that. I mean, as long as I don't, you know, get nabbed by Pennywise, maybe... uh, I'll I'll be the sacrifice. It's fine. (laughs) I don't have much going on. Dude. We need you. Greg, you can run this by yourself. Yeah, I got it. (laughs) I thought he would be like, no, man. No, uh, okay, no, that's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm just here to support decisions, man. <laughs> there you go. That's how it's we good support. to have a yes man, and we only have each other, so it's just nothing but yeses. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so, as a child, King apparently witnessed one of his friends being struck and killed by a train. Though he has no memory of the event, his family told him that after leaving home to play with the boy, King returned speechless and seemingly in shock. Only later did the family learn of the friend's death. Interesting. So yeah, pretty wild. I I remember hearing about this. Like he he makes claims in one of he did like a seminar thing, and mm-hmm. he talks about that he believes that even though he doesn't remember the event, he thinks it started it triggered something in him of like wanting to be afraid. Yeah, and I well, think that's a interesting. You know, like there's trauma there, remembered or not. Right, and it and it like created something in his brain. It was like, yeah, fear will fill this hole. So he chose to steer into the skid. Yeah, that's what it, that's what it felt like always to me. Which it's got is, a, um, it's it, got kind of a uh, the Simpsons when Homer went into the quarry when he was ten and saw the, oh, the yeah. dead body the and screaming. like got hypnotized and yeah, he started yeah, screaming because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what he remembered. Like he'd repressed it for all those years. And right. Yeah. It was relayed to him later. I mean, interestingly enough, he King plays on fears constantly or what he's going through and uh i was listening to a pretty recent interview where he was talking about yeah when i was a kid you know i'd write about you know being scared of death and clowns and you know whatever spooky ooky shit and now he's like now i'm scared i'm gonna go crazy or or have alzheimer's like the idea of losing my memories is what i'm scared about so that's what i'm gonna write about you know and i get that like it does change like you you realize the monsters are usually just like people who have completely lost their social like they have no they're antisocial there's some sort of like (coughs) 
trauma and usually like what is it the green river killer had like an iq of like two i mean there's <laughs> but what are you sure good at fixing cars and he could put a <laughs> mean paint job on my you know cadillac yeah so it's yeah. like they get good at something and they get rewarded from it or it becomes something they're obsessed with then they get better at it like king obviously around this time he's 12 years old his mom gives him a typewriter and a cool uh, gift which is awesome, yeah. Like unless you hate typing, it's <laughs> like <laughs> that's true. It's a, yeah, it's a cool it like gift that. for a young Stephen King. For me, like it might as well be a turtleneck. Oh, what is this, mom? I don't even fucking play croquet. Fuck you, mom. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know I can't read. Are you mocking me? <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, so he he did uh, basically get become like a lifelong fan of writing because he he found an old uh hp lovecraft book in his grandfather's attic and that like switches on like a like hmm, some primal part of his brain yeah like you know like a like a organ note hit just like a piercing (laughs) light bulb went on he's like tip tip tip, i'm a genius now And that's when, right behind him, Pennywise just it, puts a clown hand unlocked, on his shoulder. Exactly. <laughs> it unlocked the interdimensional gates of hell that lives inside Stephen King's brain, I, dude. I love, I mean, it. love it. You know, it's funny. What, the first time I saw a picture of him, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Attracts. Yeah. 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 Those, those are not very attractive glasses. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have any different frames there that day, uh, Steve. Or? Hello, Mr. Dahmer. I mean, Mr. King. <laughs> Like, I, mean, I wasn't in the military. Ryan, I believe you were, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, okay, Navy. so uh, the birth control glasses. The Drew Carey glasses. Yeah, yeah like they, they give the guys the glasses, and they. I remember I had a couple of buddies. They were like, yeah, they fucking call them the birth control glasses. It was yeah. like, sir, you have dried was... out this entire room. Please exit. <laughs> <laughs> also, that beard looks like it might be storing living creatures. <laughs> yeah, all right. No, clickety clack. I got an idea for a story. Yeah. Um, Not to travel too far into the future, but I always loved that his son went by a different last name, so he didn't get recognized as Stephen King's son. And I'm but glad he looks exactly like him. He does. He's yeah. <laughs> it's like hey, it's it's. You ever um, seen '80s pictures of King? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> hey, hey, look it. It's it's a Stephen King lookalike. He even got it's the dried just- up glasses on too. It's just furthering my conspiracy that it's actually just Stephen King playing the part of his son because he's going to live forever and keep writing oh, stories. He traveled back now and he found a paradox, and now there's just two Stephen Kings. Well, I these mean, podcast boys got a great idea for a story. Clickety-clack. <laughs> I tell you what. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, I agree. I, I think he looks so much like... And Joe Hill just... Full disclosure is a fucking awesome writer. Like I think I've read everything by Joe Hill too, because he's yeah. far less uh, prolific as far as the amount that he's written. It, yes, uh, so but it's a much easier hill to climb. He wrote Heart Shaped Box. If I'm not, I mean, I don't Which have is, all it, it, great. Yes, he also wrote one of my favorite graphic novel series, Lock and Key. Which yeah, so I listened to the uh, the audio drama of Lock and Key. Interesting. Was it yeah, good? Yeah, it was really great. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I should yeah. check. I got to check that out. It's, a, it's free on Audible. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. Well, That's Audible, right if you'd like to spo- if you'd like to sponsor us, please. Yeah, uh, give Ryan free stuff. No, send an email to Serial Chillers Podcast. They're they they're awesome. We'll forward that, and we're sharing. Audible. <laughs> I don't give a shit what you say. <laughs> okay. We'll use, share use it. promo code Radchillers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's right. Radchillers thirty. There you go. Uh, so. He he. His early life, just to mention some some kind of key moments. He did have to move a lot uh, around a lot, being the dad was gone. Um, as I mentioned, he. I don't think he. I think that plays a part into his his early psyche too, like his dad being kind of MIA. Um, the H.P. Lovecraft collection that I mentioned was called "The Lurker in the Shadows." Um. And as we mentioned, he that's when he knew he'd found his home when he read that book. Like he knew he found a special purpose. Uh, oh, it's okay to be spooky and weird. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it it's the it's the same thing in England in you know, seventy seven, seventy eight, there was a Robert Smith guy who was like, you know what? I'm yeah. just gonna put makeup on and I'm gonna play the guitar real sad like <laughs> I'm sad, and I want other people to be sad with me. Yeah, exactly. Can I achieve that through music? Yeah, you can, and I'll listen to it, sir. Do you uh, want cigarettes and coffee? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, so, anyway, so he he displayed an early interest in horror as an avid reader of EC horror comics, including Tales from the Crypt. He later paid tribute to the comics in a screenplay for Creepshow. F- fucking love creep show so yeah. much. Also, I will say that sometime in my mid twenties, I learned that Stephen King was a collector of Tales from the Crypt comics, and I've got yeah. a stack of Tales from the Crypt comics over here on my show. I started not like very extensively, but every time I saw a cool one, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get that." Stephen King would be proud. <laughs> Just once, once a month, send one to him until he responds. Maybe uh... I should. Maybe I should. Because then, I mean, nothing else. You get a cease and desist from his lawyer. <laughs> Stephen King, I love you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, yeah. we want to party with you. Uh, yeah. I don't know how he how he would party now. It would be just like uh, tris- I, you know triscuits what, and pepper I know how I would party. A nice cup of tea and a discussion about uh, literature over the past 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a rager. Let's do it. Sounds yeah, like yeah, a you, think, you think doctors want to talk about surgery in their off time? Hey, I'll bring him a bump of coke. <laughs> maybe he wants, I was going to say, maybe he wants to talk about baseball. Hey, he loves baseball. He, he wrote a book about it. That's true. He loves rock things. and roll, too. He plays the he guitar. And he... Bought a local. Did you, radio. I'm sorry, did you say guitar? <laughs> I mean, that would be be even cooler if he did. But he, no, he plays the guitar. Oh, okay. <laughs> All but right, that makes more sense. He actually Just wanted to be sure. And I think it was seven years old. He would play a Elvis Presley uh, record like nonstop. It was like hound dog and like blue suede shoes or something like that and he was just like i love rock and roll forever like that was his thing <laughs> just picture that he was scene just riding two thousand hours a day and shaking his hips i picture the scene of forrest gump but with stephen king's head <laughs> yeah. yep and just yep the glasses and the beard and everything he's yep. still jamming out too i believe he's like currently in a band rock bottom remainders i think they're called yeah it's I, I you know what i give it the benefit of the doubt over like hollywood vampires for like the johnny depp band like i uh, I, I, yeah, I feel yeah. like i could sit and watch stephen king's band and 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 probably not even have to wear earplugs like <laughs> <laughs> like they get to like the rocking out part and it's just like cool 
cool, man. It's like a bunch of dads in a garage. Yeah, yeah basically. You just, just got to go like, hey, that's Stephen King. All right. Hey, cool. Uh, <laughs> all right, boys. It's uh, 8 o'clock. Time for me and mother to watch uh, MASH. Got to go. <laughs> yeah. We're going to head on over to Caro's for the early bird special. <laughs> got to get home by 9. CSI comes on. <laughs> CSI Banger, Maine. Uh <laughs> So he met his wife, fellow student Tabitha Spruce at the university's uh, Raymond H. Folger Library, Fogler Library, after one of Professor Halton's workshops, and they wed in 1971. So they met, and it was just like, hey, you like books too, huh? <laughs> yeah, I noticed you have braces. <laughs> yeah, I have braces too. <laughs> hey, real fun fact, sorry to go back. Uh, no, one of the members, good. they're a super group, the Rock Bottom Remainders. One of yeah. the members, Matt Groening. Holy shit! Where? That's Swear. why there's so many Stephen King references in The Simpsons. <laughs> they're in a band together. They just that's sit there and exchange insane. ideas. That's Two the of the great. Right there. That's the whole band. Yeah. Jesus because Christ! They they're out what members. a Slipknot. They're a super group, and so like. <laughs> Some night, some night, someone won't be there, and someone else will just jam. So these are like the rotating door of. There's 21 fucking people in that band. Yeah, yeah, and that doesn't count. Stephen, Stephen King's not on the list. So there's 22 people in that band. <laughs> but Matt, could you imagine trying to like get something done in between songs and people just noodling? <laughs> Shut the fuck! Everybody, stop! Everybody, stop for five minutes. Let me get my shit in tune. <laughs> I got 17 fucking Simpsons scripts to finish, and we got noodly fucking King over there, and he won't stop fucking noodling. Son of a bitch won't stop fucking doing drum fills. You're not good, and we don't need them. Just keeps hitting the same string as is driving you insane. <laughs> you can tell we, we all were in a band at one point. <laughs> I still do it. We've all, year. we've all been that guy, and yeah, we've all yeah. been annoyed by that guy. Yeah. Yeah, or like when you start, you, you finally get everybody to stop playing their instruments so you can say something, and then one other person starts... Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I can just hear John playing on his bass. Yep. The ABC theme for whatever reason. ABC theme from the early 2000s. Goddamn, every time we hit the ABC theme. It's on the demo. It's like, <sighs> I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Guys, I quit. There's no I'll point. The show. We're never going to make it. We're never going to be in the Battle of the Bands. <laughs> All right, so his first published book was by published by Doubleday was Carrie, which is really what became his big break into superstardom. It's and, so fantastic, the story around how like the book came to be. It, it yes, and I, and I'll get into that more. But I I wanted to say a few things. I love the movie. I just rewatched yes. it last night with with my girlfriend. It holds up. I think it's scary. You've got a real young John Tra John Travolta. Yeah, looking looking mighty fine. Definitely gay. <laughs> wondering about Scientology. Wondering about the world. Spilling beer all over his face. Trying to get some massages in his pilot's license. Just trying. He's fighting it. He's fighting it. He's like, this Hollywood thing sure seems like a good idea. <laughs> One day oh. I'm going to dance and you guys are going to love it. And Yeah, and we did and we do. God and John Tra, just come out and leave that fucking cult. That's all I thought the whole time. I kept looking at her. I go, you know, he was fucking awesome in American... The OJ one. That one. That was awesome. He can act. I swear to God, Casey, he needs to be in more shit. He can act. He's actually a nice guy. He's just trapped by a cult. That's That was my... Tom Cruise, let him go! 
Let him go, Tom. If, if I remember right, he's at the level where he can like kill somebody and the church will cover it up for him. I wouldn't <laughs> do that. But <laughs> he's like, hey, you know, actually, I killed Shelly Miscavige. Yeah. Uh, hey. Mr. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it was me. It was an accident. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Carter. <laughs> it's like. Mr. Miscavige, Tom Cruise just uh, dropped a nuclear warhead on a small island for the next Mission Impossible movie. What are we going to do? That island never existed. (laughs) What island? We actually bought it 30 seconds before he destroyed it. It was our island. We can do what we want. It's private property. Put it on the maps as the void of Scientology. There was never anyone there. It was Xenu, I know it. Uh, God, that fucking cult. Anyway, so, uh, King, so, yeah, so Carrie, amazing movie. You have to see it. 1976, Sissy Spacek, Piper Laurie plays the mom, is fucking phenomenal. The book is is great, and I highly recommend it. This, This is my second favorite King adaptation, by far. Um... When I was a kid, I remember the first time I saw this movie, I my dad was hyping it up. Like my dad is not a hype man. So it's like when somebody You're like, who, "Oh shit, this is going to be good." Yeah. Well, he said like and my dad's super religious. Like I got three gifts of a cross that said he is risen on it from my dad today and I'm like, "I'm glad he, at least he knows how to text me." Yeah. Um <laughs> but I thought you said gifts. <laughs> <laughs> Presents. He just gave you three crosses. <laughs> yeah, you're just like here. You, you need these. I listen. I know you're a little old for an Easter basket. So here's just three separate crosses. One of them's chocolate. It's up to you to figure out which one. Oh, thanks, Dad. Uh, but no, he he. Back when I in high school, when I remember him, he, we we were, we sat down to watch the movie, and he was like, "Yeah, when I saw this in the theaters, everybody was creeped out." And uh, it got to the last scene. Like I said, he he was saying this, how scary this this chick's eyes were when when she you know telekinesis out at the end and spoiler alert. And I remember watching <laughs> it and thinking like, wow, like this is really impressive, like filmmaking. Like it didn't really scare me, but the scene that does fuck with me is the mom afterwards. Yeah, it there's something about it especially growing up in the Midwest where it's like hyper religious here. Sure. And it was like, Oh, what if I couldn't trust these people who seem so kind, who are super religious and like, yeah, okay. I was spanked and slapped growing up, but like, I was never put in the closet and meant to pray over Jesus for hours. (laughs) No, nobody dumped pig's blood on me. Exactly. (laughs) But like that sequence, not at school, just the look on her face. I mean, they, Sissy Spacek and Piper Laurie were both nominated for Oscars for that role, but it is it, it'll fuck with you if you've never if you're a younger person watching it I mean, us fucking ragtag group of podcast folk watching it again, we're probably just gonna be like, oh this is a great movie, but like yeah. as a kid, it fucked with me um, <clears throat> but the story and, like, and, and that's because Stephen King always has bullies that are doing the most right? Stephen King can ride a bully yes, well and just like the progression of horror movies, like up till that point, there hadn't been any truly terrifying horror movies. I mean, I think The Exorcist had yeah. been out, but like, yeah, and they're they're like the older horror movies were still pretty tame. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, even, what, even by even by the standards that were out, 
and you, you like, didn't I have remember, the slasher. You really didn't have the slasher genre in Venom. Yeah, because it was it was then. coming up though. Yeah, that then it it we got the slasher genre, yeah. and then you know horror evolved. But at this point in time, you know, having the jump scare, the the creep factor that a lot of the movies didn't have. You know, you had an obvious bad guy, and you had an obvious good guy. Right, and they fought, and whatever happened happened. This one, the good guy was not so obvious. The bad guy was not so obvious. The good guy did bad things, you know. Right, and it, it kind of flipped the whole thing on its head. But for its time, it was terrifying. I remember my mom was in high school at the time, and she told me about going to see it, and she was staying at I think my uncle's house, and he had a pullout couch, and she stuffed pillows down in the gap between the mattress and the back of the she, couch. She was scared. She was afraid the hand was going to come up through. Oh the thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, you were in high school, bro. I know. She's like, I don't give a shit. She's like, I'm not going to watch that movie again. I've seen it. I don't need to see it again. <laughs> it And honestly, it, it's still, there are still uh, like iconic images from a lot of different things that I've seen throughout my entire life that have creeped me out, but maybe a small handful of them that might occasionally pop into my mind. And not so much anymore, but like for sure the mom in that movie fucked me yeah. up as a kid because I was like, fuck. There's something about her. Like, I knew a mom like that, you know? like That's what I was just going to say. She was so... Before you really see her, like, third out. act crazy, yeah. it, 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 she's very relatable. She's very, like... Well, that's my friend Tristan's mom. Yeah, like she's yeah. she's a little strict, but like yeah, you know we all love her. Like she's yeah, she's pretty good. Trick. She's OTH. It's cool. She, <laughs> she's just you know, just speaking the good word to Zenu. It's all it's all good. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Old man. Uh, so the the whole the whole story behind the book though, he didn't like it. He, he, he actually he he like, buried it in a cemetery and then pulled it back out or something like he he threw it away basically yeah yeah i think like i think he uses that more as a metaphor now because i think what happened was he, he tossed it right like he had the first whatever 40 pages written and he was just like well that's a fucking stinker threw it away Tabitha <laughs> pulls it out of the trash can reads it and goes dude finish that maybe stick yeah. with this one yeah yeah exactly exactly like because he says um like Early on, she was his best but toughest critic. Yeah, she, she was the one. That's being what like, you got to have, though. Especially well, right. if you want to be good at something, well, you need somebody to be like, mm, "That's she not was kind of work. working her ass off," and he was too. But he was working like you know, rinky dink part time jobs while she was putting in the hours because somebody she, has to pay the bills. She saw the potential yeah. in him, but also at the same time, you got to fucking sell a book. You know what is this? The Conor McGregor story? Like, that's basically <laughs> what he did, except he punched people instead yeah. of typed. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean that, and that's exactly what you know. Tabitha raised kids and like gave him the time to, like Ryan said, write two thousand words, words a day. day. Yeah, that's, that's nine or lot. ten pages. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. and she's an so. author too. You know, I I don't know the parent the parenting might have been pretty interesting if you could actually sit down with him and like get him and get him on an edible. He might get a few more words to say about that era. I, I can't imagine the kids were doing too much. But well, he, he says that, so he would have like manuscripts that he was supposed to read from other authors or um, or books he was supposed to have read so that he could write a, uh, a comment for it. So he would have Joe and Owen read the book on tape oh, so wow. he could then listen to the book. So that was like their job. You know, they got to read the book and he was proud of them. You know, they were growing up. 
as young men in literature. And then he would have essentially the book on tape so he could then listen to it. They could tell him about the book. He could listen to it and he could write his little, you know, this book was blah, blah, blah. And he's like, all right, put this king quote on the jacket cover. <laughs> and he, 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 he said a few times that he and Tabitha couldn't find babysitters. So they would just leave the boys uh, to read aloud to each other for a couple hours while they had to go out and do their errands. And the boys loved reading so much that they would come back and they would like still be reading when oh, they got wow. back. It was like their babysitter. Reading became their babysitter. I, you I don't know, love anything that much. <laughs> God, I mean, yeah, I, I, even I'll give up on video games after a certain amount of time because I'll be like, fuck you, Elden Ring, or whatever. <laughs> um, wow. That I mean, I, I do think at some point there's going to be a Fableman's, but about the king universe at some point sure. where they kind of break for it break down this family because it's fascinating um but yeah she basically tabitha was like look i understand your main pro- protagonist is a female carrie let me you know i have a i have a bit of a female perspective i can give you and help you with this and it ends up i have notes <laughs> i can tell you what boobs are like steven Steven. <laughs> like a bag of sand. <laughs> yeah. Steven, stop doing speed and drinking that whiskey. Um, Bounce breastily. <laughs> <laughs> my dirty pillows. That's what Piper Laurie calls him in the carry. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, King, like, he... the So... I'm sorry. The in 1973 King's novel Carrie was accepted by Doubleday. It was King's fourth novel, but the first to be published. He wrote it on his wife's Tabitha's portable typewriter. It began as a short story intended for Cavalier magazine, but King had tossed the first 3 pages in the garbage can and Tabitha recovered them. He said basically in the end though he persisted because he was dry and had no better ideas. <laughs> Fuck it. I mean, it's an idea. I don't have any better ideas, so I'll just write a classic. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, God. Which is just insane. Because he makes... It, it's such a huge, like, rock star leap. He... Uh, Doubleday editor William Thompson, who became King's closest friend, sent him a telegram to King's house. And at the time, he, he didn't have a phone. It was turned off. So the telegram had to go through to where he was teaching... And he got a call, basically, while he's doodling around being a teacher. And they're like, hey, you, there's a call from your wife. You need to come right away. And he's like, oh, shit, one of the kids fell down a well or fucking, maybe I sold a book. And turned out he sold a book. So the uh, telegram read... What a pleasant alternative. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Uh, Carrie officially a the this is what the telegram said. Carrie officially a double day book, twenty five hundred dollar advance against royalties. Congrats, kid. The future lies ahead. Bill, pretty fucking cool. Yeah, because nineteen seventy eight dollars, twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah, was, pretty, it was, was a pretty fat chunk. Oh yeah, oh for sure. I mean, he bought a new Ford Pinto with the advance. So I mean, hey, hey. I would have gone AMC Gremlin myself, but you know, every you do your thing. <laughs> It'd be about eleven thousand five hundred bucks. Yeah, it's a, it's a good chunk. Yeah. Nice. Thanks for the quick math. I was gonna ask because did he get his did he get his phone turned back on? <laughs> so, ah, no, he bought a Pinto. <laughs> no, just have one of the boys pretend like they're one of them old time operators. We don't need a phone. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna have him. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use him like carrier pigeon. Yeah, exactly. Owen, quick, Owen, take this. <laughs> Owen, to connect- California. <laughs> We're in Bangor, Maine. 
I don't give a shit. Put on your bike. Put on your good running shoes, boys. I'll just start at running. I did write a book called The Long Walk once. Did you ever read it? Oh, God. Ah, it's good to have you guys on here. Uh, it's really fun. Uh, so, in accordance with King's contract with Doubleday, he, uh, they did uh, eventually on May 13, 1973, New American Library bought the paperback rights for $400,000. Hey. Yeah, so, that's when he said, fuck it, I'm a writer now, bitches. I mean, I'm buying a Lincoln this time. <laughs> Oh, maybe a helicopter to go on top of it, and, then, and I'll make Owen drive it. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was four hundred thousand, which he had to split with his uh, with Doubleday. But still, a fuck fucking a shit ton of money. Yeah. Um, I do some stuff for four hundred thousand. Yep. Same. Yeah. Fuck. We don't need to get into that here. Steve, so Stephen King, huh? <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, so King King launches into superstardom. He publishes Salem's Lot in 1975. Um, in a 1987 issue of the Highway Patrolman magazine, he said, The story seems sort of down home to me. I have a special cold spot in my heart for it. Uh, it's, it's fun. Like I wouldn't say that it's one of my favorites. Yeah, but I would say that it's one of his better books. If that makes sense, you it, know what I mean. Like, yeah. I'm the difference between favorite and good. Yeah, it's a very well put together. Book. I mean, but like, it, I, it does drag, in my opinion. I I could see that. I think it's it's the conundrum of the movie and the book. You have this certain yeah. amount of words that are supposed to, you know make for a book, a novel, or a novella, or a movie, or a short movie. Right. Like, there's parameters you have to fit into, and I feel like that is kind of the quagmire you can get into if you have to, say, self-edit. And I think some authors have trouble with that. I don't necessarily think... Well, King kind of does, too. I think the problem for somebody who reads... T- King a lot and then watches the adaptations is that he'll spend a page and a half describing to you the room that you're in. Mm. You know? Like, it's, it's some writers will be like, you're in a room, in a house, and and then dialogue starts. You know, Stuff he, like that gets lost in a movie adaptation. Because you just see it. Right. You well, just, it takes one second to see what he described but over you see eight it, minutes of you reading, you know? But the way he phrases it in a book is drawing your attention to something specific. He, right. he mentions, you know, crack in the wall or whatever that yeah, you're yeah, supposed to exactly see where it. when you just see it in film you might not see that specific detail it, it, some of the things that he writes are very tough to to adapt just true inherently yeah no i agree like it it's it's tricky and i'm i'm not always quite sure about his diet the dialogue choices but i can understand the environment and i always know like I get a good gist of it to where I can summarize it to anybody else if they're like, oh, what's that book about? It's like, oh, this book's about a dragon and you know, it's has <laughs> it has issues or yeah. whatever. Like it's like it's usually like a sentence or two. Like this is sure. about a haunted car. This one's about a clown that terrorizes kids. This and I mean there's more to it, obviously, but it it 
it, it's a nice like two sentencer usually when it comes to King's stories. The elevator pitch. Exactly. Like the family guy seems like, oh, it's about a haunted lamp. Oh, <laughs> you're not even trying anymore. <laughs> I mean, someone could probably do... So- I, the last I knew, there was a horror movie that was out about a killer couch. And I literally saw the trailer, because April, the Luma Mommy, showed it to me. And I was like, are you kidding me? And then the trailer, it like really commits to it. I'm like, how... It plays it totally serious? Because I've seen, I've seen two movie movies. Tire? I was going to say, I watched Rubber like two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, there's also one about jeans. We're like a pair of killer jeans. <laughs> Uh, I love bad horror films. That's like my too. favorite genre of things besides reading Stephen King books. It's just watching just the shittiest possible horror movies. I'm and with boy, you. Boy, killer inanimate objects just are really up there for me. Speaking of, you know, Maximum Overdrive. Oh, yeah. We got- We're getting into the 80s right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In 1982, King uh, publishes Different Seasons, a collection of four novellas with a more serious dramatic bent. So, this is crazy. Uh, this collection is notable because three of its four novellas have been turned into Hollywood films. Stand by me, like iconic, iconic. Yeah. Stand by films. me, incredible. For that was in '86. The Shawshank Redemption, 1994, and At Pupil in 1998. I think a lot of people don't realize that Stephen the- King wrote Shawshank Redemption and Stand by Me. Still, yeah, yeah. Well, he, his story was called The Body. Right, right, right. But, right, right. but yes, I mean, yes, but exactly. Like, because yeah, yeah, yeah. when we when we were talking about seeing his friend get hit by a train earlier, I was yeah. like, oh shit! Like, 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 the, like in Stand by, by Me, Stand by Me, yeah. But yeah. I didn't want to like jump the gun if that wasn't it, you know? No, I, I, I've serious. never made that connection to be honest. And that's uh, no, I, I agree. Like, that's interesting. Yeah, that would make complete sense. So. 85, 1985, King wrote his first work for the comic book medium, writing a few pages of the Benefit X-Men comic book Heroes for Hope, starring the X-Men. I never knew that he contributed to comic books. I, I didn't either. The book, whose profits were donated to famine relief in Africa, so, you know, this is this is that time when, when they were... That was a big deal during that time, in fact. I mean, because we had, what was it, Live Aid? Stuff yeah, like that yeah, going yeah. on. Um. Uh, this was written by a number of different authors in the comic book field, such as Chris Claremont, Stan Lee, and Alan Moore. I love Alan Moore, future episode. As well as authors not primarily associated with comics, such as Harlan Ellison. The following year published It. King published It. Yeah, that's kind of like one of the <clears throat> like holy grails for me. Yes. That might have been one of the first ones that I read, finished, and if you've read it, it's like 1,200 pages. Yeah. Finished it, and I literally wanted to start it again. It was like, that was the best fucking journey I've ever been on. Let's go. And yeah. I don't think I got through it a second time, but I for sure started it a second time. Um, right th- after reading it. Like, the next day. I think the movies and the TV miniseries, or not mini, it's kind of like a TV movie, the the initial right. Tim Curry version. Um, I think what they do kind of... They nail more with the new one. It's interesting. I, I love pref- them. I, I, I love I them try both. to look at the books and the movies as separate things, though. Yes, and I apologize if I'm intermingling them too much to any fans of Stephen King who are listening, but like, I think that if you enjoy the 
set the the movies, especially the part one and part two of it that came out, you'll mm. probably really love the book. Yeah, because it really doesn't omit much besides the like fabled child sex scene. <laughs> and we've like, all had it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. It's, sure. It, it happens, you know? <laughs> it does happen. We're just going to pretend like where the sidewalk ends doesn't end with a fucking orgy with, you know, eight-year-olds? <laughs> That's I think we had different ends. versions or I never finished mine. <laughs> Wait, you didn't get the special edition Shel Silverstein signed one? <laughs> it's got his phone number in the back and everything. <laughs> it, was a, it, was just, it actually was just finished with Polaroids and he was acting it out. Uh, he was not an attractive man. No. <laughs> like to pick his teeth um, with his toenails. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting fella. Okay, so like I said, he contributes to comics, and he actually wrote the introduction to Batman number 400, an anniversary issue, where he expressed his preference for the character over Superman, which makes total Your sense. Face, Superman. You know what? You're too super. Go back to Krypton. We got yeah. heroes. So that's here. not how you do aliens. Watch this fucking dream catcher. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy knockers is aliens. That's true. You know what's, you know what's funny is, uh, so I think the Tommy knockers, which I believe is also a made for TV movie that there's it's, and I don't believe it's, or maybe it is in the book. I can't remember to be honest with you, but the, the, in the, in the made for TV movie, they're like, they kind of go crazy. Like the whole thing is like, if you touch a spaceship, it's sort of like, you know, imbues you with this, like, I don't know, madness. This, yeah. 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 And, and at one point, there's like a woman in a room and she's like, Tommy knockers, Tommy knockers knocking at your door. Yeah. You better watch out because that's what they're for. And dude, my whole life that has like, it's like one of those things that is just there in my head almost always. Like, so it's like a early, like, uh, creep out thing or just just something that stuck with you I think it's just like it's it was it was core an memory earworm. created yeah it was like a weird core memory earworm because uh, I for I sure you. saw the movie first yeah and then the the book came out the year I was born and oh then, like wow. I said it was the first one I read so I, I always I don't know feel like I got an attachment to it but I rem, I'm mostly attracted to it because I happened to watch that TV series with my parents and it randomly got me to enjoying Stephen King. Hmm. That's cool. And and probably Pet Cemetery, but for yeah. sure started with Tommy Knockers. Interesting. What a, what a weird uh, IP to to enter on in the Stephen King world. I feel like. Yeah. So there, I guess now before this last little bit, we should probably mention his directorial debut. Yeah. Maximum Overdrive, starring Emilio Estevez. Because why wouldn't it? I mean, do you remember this movie, Greg? <laughs> there's I don't a much. there's a solid there's like a solid like Stephen King pitch to it. Just machines come alive and they're evil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And soda machines. We're trapped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Monster we're, truck. I'll probably play a clip from that during the break, but the uh, yeah, it's legitimately. It's just batshit, and it's yeah. fueled on cocaine, much like Stephen King was. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most good things are, but it, it takes place there in a diner, and there's like a Joker-faced truck. Uh, there's just antics. It's silly. It's it's got that '80s schlock appeal that people are gonna like. It. I just right off camera, you all you can hear is. <laughs> 
have the soda machines <laughs> spit cans in his chest or something, man. You know, I'm, I'm a soda I, machine. How can a vending machine attack somebody? <laughs> well, I was gonna <clears throat> say his wife was. Uh, well, actually, no. I, you know what? I'll come back to that later. But no, the the movie was uh, not a big success, even though Stephen King' <laughs> name was attached to it. But it was, you know, you got Emilio Estevez. It's the '80s. The lesser of the sheens. <laughs> Charlie's off masturbating to whatever on a film set. Anything doing blow. and everything. <laughs> Yeah, it's got tiger's blood, man. Even even <laughs> yeah. even in the eighties, yeah. yeah, tiger's blood. Yeah, that's like I was I was thinking about that the other day. Like, whatever happened to that guy? And then I Aids? like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I and I know he does. I, he definitely has AIDS. But I'm just like, he's not in anything anymore. He's just Jack. Yeah, it it kind of cooled him out a little. <laughs> Imagine that. Hey, funny thing about drugs and alcohol, it really slows you down, guys. Yeah, it'll mellow you out over time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I did just want to mention Mexic- Mex- Maximum Overdrive, but so good. It's it's a fun watch if you're. A it's King an fan. American classic, and I don't care what anyone <laughs> says. It's a, that's one of All those right, other Emilio. things though that's been so integrated into pop culture. Emilio actually paid me to say that. Oh, I <laughs> he's get been you. a little down. Emilio, so give now. us free stuff, <laughs> no, please. Actually, I had to give him some free stuff. <laughs> no, that's one of those things that's still so integrated into pop culture because I have made that joke like when stuff stops working, like when my electronic devices stop working. Or start working in the wrong way. Yeah, I've been like, it's just like maximum overdrive. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and some people get it, and some people don't. My stand mixer is trying to kill me. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, radio won't turn down, and I'm like, it's just like maximum overdrive. I just love the scene when the when the diner waitress runs outside, and she's like, "Why we made you? (laughs) We made you." (laughs) It's just like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's why. <laughs> pretty sure that's the, I'm pretty sure it's a prequel to the Terminator. That's why I hate exactly. my parents. I didn't ask to be made. I actually proposed. I think it was on the cartoon episode that Inspector Gadget is a pre uh, precursor to RoboCop. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it's just the step in between. <laughs> there should should be a Paul Verhoeven as directed said, Inspector as you said, Gadget. It's like those two synapses in my brain connected, and I was like, "Oh, I see it." I they were like, "This one's too much of a joke. We got to yeah. take the personality center out of it and tell him he doesn't have to say go go before he uses yeah. everything. His gadgets just work. He knows that. Right? Also, take off the head propeller. It hasn't worked a single time correctly. Does he have to wear the yellow gloves? <laughs> He's, yeah. uh, I miss Doctor Claw. And just randomly, the dad from that '70s show walks in and just blasts him to shit. <laughs> um. Anyway, all right, we're gonna we're gonna round this out here real quick, and then we're gonna take a break. But King did eventually have to get sober or lose his life. Um, he had been set. To write, like as we said, 2,000 words a day, every day, four to five hours of typing, and using hard drugs and drinking was his crutch. And as most people who binge drink or are addicts, it's um, kind of the only way they can function for the time being until they can straighten things out. Um, And his wife said, you know, it's either us or it's the drugs and the booze, and he had to make a decision. So, 
And he's like uh, that country song. He's like, I'm gonna miss her. <laughs> he's like, yep. never since then. He, he's been partying ever since. So yeah, he, he chose his family. <laughs> and he can't win them all. <laughs> no, I miss you, Coke. Yeah, I gotta miss you. Yep. Yeah, every now and again he sends a text to Coke that just says "you up." <laughs> w Y D. <laughs> Thinking about doing you. Yeah. Yeah, those those late nights on those old main roads. Uh, anyways, boys, well we're gonna take a break, and uh, when we come back, some things start happening. <clears throat> he gets sober, and uh, we're gonna go all the way up to the modern age and uh stick around boys and uh we'll see you after the break Goddamn world's going tits up. They can't. Now look, honey, you've gone and hurt yourself. Now come on, sweet thing. Don't you sweet thing me! No wonder you, baby. Just they can't. We made them. You can! We made you! Machines just honking, honking away. Hey, you know what? Wait, my Joe! Wait, my Joe! Wait, wait, my Joe! That's what I I yell at my iPhone. though? (laughs) Did we make them? No. loyalty. No, some illegal immigrants did it in a plant in Mexico somewhere. (laughs) Or some tiny children hands. In a factory downtown. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boys, boys, boys. Second segment time. We are keeping on, keeping on. I feel like, honestly, we could almost do multiple parts for this. Uh, but we're going to keep grazing through. We're going to try to get through everything. Listen, but, when you're with the serial chillers, it just goes longer than you It's expect. fine, man. These episodes can be fucking five hours. I don't that. care. <laughs> someday, we'll, someday we'll finish. But it's all right. Today, we're keeping on. Dude gets sober, which I can congratulate him on. He found ways to to purge that addiction. And it's anybody... Like write 10,000 words a day. <laughs> well, I mean, considering... Idle hands are the devil's playground. Right. He never stopped working. And he, I think, even though I, I, it's kind of like the train spotting thing when they're, when they're out shooting the people with like BB guns and, and they're, he's 
hypothet he's having this hypothetical where he's saying that all the greatest artists got shitty after they got dry. I don't think that's true, especially with King. I know he wrote some of his best stuff early, but it's kind of like most bands when they come out hot or anything, you know, that yeah. creative thing really starts early on and for King he started when he was 12. I mean, he'd been writing and submitting and and sending his his work out constantly, which if you're out there and 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 you want to do something whether it be writing, make movies, be in a band, anything, don't ever stop. Right. Like honestly, I mean, Back to the Future was Harrison Ford wasn't an actor till he was 40 something, <laughs> and now they just cart his Jack Skellington ass out to fucking Disney. Just be mad Plus. about Star Wars. Just yeah. move him from plane crash to plane crash. They sent me a duck. They sent me a dump dump truck of money, and I said okay. Um, not to not to make this comparison again with Stephen no. King, but he's done so much writing that he's like Little Wayne, where Little Wayne is always like, "Yo, I always have to Google rap lines that I write to make sure that I didn't already write them." <laughs> like. I can imagine having an idea and being like, yeah, 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 you know, we're like, Gets, you know, maybe like you bury your pets. Where, I don't know, like an Indian <laughs> burial ground. And then they like, I don't know, I don't know. Then they come back. And then maybe like, they maybe like, when they come back, they're not the, oh, fuck. This does, right. I did this. That come to life, you've done it twice. Oh, <laughs> this does okay. beg that question, though. You got to wonder if when he sits down to type something, if he's got to look up at like a sheet and go, oh, okay, did I do the haunted alien telekinesis do you think he would benefit from like a web of you like a universe web that like <laughs> these are the laws of the universe and these are the things that take place inside the universe that i've created so that he like adheres to certain rules i think that some of his books are connected well like i mean with, with the simpsons they have a bible these are the rules for the show right like i'm sure other shows and like the, i'm sure the marvel cinematic universe has something like that sure why wouldn't stephen king's universe have something along true. the same lines true I feel well like as somebody who's who's produced uh, you know even just serial chillers that you know not counting all the other podcasts we've done it's almost 130 episodes wow i've forgotten oh yeah i've forgotten full subjects i've started to research and be like this feels uh, this, familiar this feels really familiar and i'll yeah. go look at our list and be like shit yeah. Man, yeah i literally have an outline for this and we've recorded this i mean full disclosure conspiracy therapy did the same episode twice it <laughs> almost posted the second one and then went oh fuck we did a bunny man <laughs> well, which one was better? I know. It was, it was like, hey, you guys want a Revisited. remaster, a remake of an episode? <laughs> Bunny Man 1.5. Director's cut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's You know what's even crazier is that we, we AB'd both episodes and Larry made the same jokes in two spots. <laughs> it's like, it's like, called consistency. It's like, Either that or Larry was like, these motherfuckers don't even know we already did this episode. <laughs> I'm going to hit all the best jokes. I'm going to even steal the ones Josh did. It's like uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, where if you play all the episodes, there's an explosion at the same yeah, point. Yeah, all yeah. Of them. If you play yeah. those episodes side by side, eventually his jokes are just going to sync up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I love it. it's a thing, but he... So, okay, anyway, Stephen King, <laughs> great guy, writes books. 90s, get sober. And gets run over. Gets run over, and that's exactly where we're going to next. Now, I will mention his uh, 
Jesse mentioned that there there is kind of a through line universe with the Dark Tower series, and even to this day, some of his books will interconnect. Especially like some names will come up again, or some areas, and to the point where he's even interconnect things with uh, his son Joe Hill's writing. Mm-hmm. That's cool. They've written things together. You know, uh, remember in Stand by Me, uh, yeah. Kiefer Sutherland's character Eyeball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, More he's in Needful Things. Oh, okay, ah. yeah. that's cool. His, his character is in Needful Things. That's fun. He's like the guy who does all of the like. Uh, in the book, at least, I can't remember if he's in the movie, but he like does all the uh, the running of supplies for Leland Gaunt. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. On the afternoon of June nineteenth, nineteen ninety nine, at around four thirty p.m., Stephen King was out for a walk on the shoulder of a road near his Maine home, as actually his summer home. He's got two homes in Maine and one in Sarasota, Florida. Ballin', right? Hey, badass! What are you gonna do with your four hundred k? It should have been a quiet stroll, but that wasn't to be as a distracted driver hit King with his minivan, sending the author flying. And according to what I read, the guy was distracted by his dog. Yeah, and I think the guy had like a history of being a real shithead driver. Like whether he was driving under the influence or just not being very... um, Well, the problem is is he, he needs to stop watching those cartoons and thinking that his dog can drive his car. <laughs> I'm trying to make the new Airbud. <laughs> Come on now, Whiskers. Or will that be a cat? Ninety nine, about the time that the Astro Van started carrying the in the in house DVD player. <laughs> uh, I mean, I you're never gonna believe this, but I was watching Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> this is just so wild. <laughs> Oh my god. But yeah, no, this is crazy. He 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 did he he hit King while King's out probably doing like one of those things where it's like, ah, well, you better get my exercise in before I tip tap type. And then dude's letting, you know, film in main Airbud and then smacks into him. And King was like legitimately seriously injured including a, a collapsed lung, a broken leg, a shattered hip and all these really deep cuts to his his head. And King was actually hospitalized for about a month. And ended That'll up give him an idea for a book, right? Yeah, it did. Well, he ended up undergoing <laughs> multiple surgeries to repair the extensive damage to his body. And we have the technology. What's what's even crazier, and this happened while I was doing kind of the outline for this episode. Did you guys know a year later this dude died? Yeah, he was like found dead in his trailer. Yes. In yeah, fa- <laughs> you know Stephen King's got a death note book. Yeah, I was gonna say he had that. He had nothing to do with that guy dying. No, well, no way. Huh? There was an article on ABC that I took a few snippets from. So. In uh, Maine, September 25th, 2000, horror writer Stephen King expressed sympathy upon learning that the driver who hit him while he was walking near his summer home last year has died over the weekend. Quote, yeah, he quoted it saying, oh, no, he died. No way. Oh, that's just too bad. <laughs> the sarcasm doesn't really translate. To we, had to be, we had to put it in italics, but I don't think people got it. You did it. SpongeBob, half uppercase, <laughs> yeah. half lowercase. Yeah, the smudge, the smug grin emoticon, followed by the like the flip off <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, 
So, quote, I was very sorry to hear the passing of Brian Smith, the author said today through his assistant, Julie Ugly. The death of a 43-year-old man can be termed untimely. There was no sign of violence or trauma when Smith, 43, was found dead Friday in the mobile home on Route 302 in Freiburg, where he lived with his two dogs. Yeah, it's because Stephen King just wrote it into existence, threw it in a fire pit to burn. The ashes went up into the sky. They got carried over by like a little uh, breeze. By they a went, final destination spirit. Yep, they went down into the vent of Brian Smith's uh, mobile home uh, and went into him and just killed him. Like that, There are no signs of death, no signs of poison, but Stephen King uh, works in mysterious ways. See, while you were reading that, when you said that there were no signs of struggle or anything like i was like oh shit like how did stephen king know that then i realized you were just reading from the article some more <laughs> i thought i thought that was part of the stephen king quote <laughs> I, stephen king's like trust me there was yeah, no violence don't was, go check yeah, yeah there was no signs of forced entry i just knocked on the door and he let me in it was crazy <laughs> well i mean technically this is from his assistant so i mean even he was like i uh I'm not coming you got out. Got anything of... you want to say about that? Hey, hey, Julie, ugly. Can you, um, can, you can, can you just type something up about that? I don't really give a fuck about the guy, but make me sound good, huh? That guy that hit you with a car last year just died. Ha! Yeah. <laughs> no way. Scoreboard. Can we quote that, Mr. King? Oh. You know what? You got to go to Julie, ugly. She'll tell you everything. You need. <laughs> Mr. King was quoted that. as spiking a football and yelling scoreboard. <laughs> That's what you... We got to clean that up. No, it's all good. (laughs) Now, let me profess my love for the Dark Tower. So, I did mention that that was uh, his series that continued from the 70s up until 2012. um, That has little excerpts that tie into other Stephen King books. The first serious series that I sat down to read was in 2000 ish 2001 ish I had the first four Dark Tower books and I read them all uh, to this day my favorite Stephen King book is Wizard and Glass which is like the prequel novel of the main character Roland's story I fucking love that book so I I held off reading the Dark Tower as I like got deep into reading the King. I think I got into like the 40s and was like, I'm gonna wait. And right now I'm working my way through the Dark Tower series for the first okay. time. And Very I have cool. a couple of buddies who love King as well that were like, dude, you son of a bitch. I wish I can go back and read yeah. it for the first time. I always like, yeah, say, I'm, I'm, I always say to people, I'm I'm more excited to discover something than to be a huge mega fan of something because it's like at this sure. point, you know, I've heard every everything or I've listened to that or I've read everything. So it's like it does kind of suck because it that first initial time of reading those Dark Tower books was one of the my favorite times of being a fan of or being a constant reader of Stephen King. Like I really, really, really delved into the world and. I'm happy that he was able to finish the series and I won't spoil it for anybody who's listening to this, but I, I, I honestly believe that the series, the way it ends was perfect. So that's, and he's my not concern. known for writing amazing endings. No, he's not. And that's, you know, if, if which has want, also become a trope, by the way, I feel like I believe I, 
heard that from f- pretty much anybody who is a fan of his has said like yeah i like that one but the uh, the well, ending's a little rough third Kinda act wish- third act's yeah. a bit rushed or whatever okay yeah because yeah, i could you could kind of say that for it but sure. i love that book too so same so continuing on the with the guy being found dead there was no conclusion that there was any evidence of trauma he was on a, uh, some medications for his health. Just just to to mention that. So I don't know. Maybe maybe he was obese and <laughs> he took a baby aspirin every morning <laughs> just to help with his heart. But that was like it. I said, the ashes yeah. died of heroin overdose. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> he uh, liked the party. He did, but it's it's crazy to me that he he doubled down. In fact. After the the incident where he was struck, he there was really, and and I'll say this like you you brought up Dreamcatcher. I'm kind of fifty fifty on that book. <laughs> it's a little bit crazy. I mean, I'm not talking. I'm not. It feels like a fever dream. Yes. yes. Like I'm almost surprised he didn't resurrect his. Richard Bachman right for that but it's still like under the dome and um and, and we're we're getting into the 2000s kind of yeah. aughts era yeah. of Stephen King I think he comes back fully but there was kind of a bit of a a speed bump cuz even he was like I think I'm done writing and yeah. again, his wife comes in, you know, seventh inning or eighth inning, and is like, "Look here, Stephen, you're gonna double down," and he did. He went from like two thousand to like ten thousand words, like literally. He's like, yeah. "I'm gonna take and my that, weakness and make it a strength." So that would make sense with the length of Under the Dome when it comes back, because that was a long book. Yes, it was a very long book, but it was yes. very good, and it is one of those two that sort of suffers in the third act. Yeah, uh, but. But god damn it, the character development and the insanity in the first two is well worth getting through it, in my opinion. I really like that book. And also, the Under the Dome had a TV series, which was actually very popular when it first came out. <clears throat> and Dean it, Norris is in it. Dean Norris, yep, from Breaking Bad. Like I, That was part of why I watched it, because I was like, oh, Breaking Bad's done. I better watch Under the Dome, then I can yeah. continue watching this and it it kind of again it 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 kind of has that it started it's one of those shows that starts and you're like good premise kind of well it was like loses it, it, steam. it hit a cliffhanger at the end of the first season and if you read it you're like oh fuck yeah shit's about to pop yeah. off and then the second season it was like they were like all right let's try to get five or six seasons out of this they take some creative liberties and, and then just started just really stretching stuff out and then i don't think it got a third season no so yeah so you never got the you know. in, in true stephen king form you never got the ending yes. <laughs> yeah well in 2006 king published an apocalyptic novel called cell the book features a sudden force in which every cell phone user turns into a mindless killer see that's a great premise you know, I was going to say, too, the elevator pitch now. is wonderful. Um, this book gets so much hate. Greg can show you, or Greg can tell you, Cell yeah. is on one of my top probably 10 books of his. I loved Cell. The, uh, like, 
the premise alone sells me. Like if I was, if I, if somebody walked in, you're, you're in a Hollywood boardroom production meeting. Somebody walks in and goes, Stephen King, A, you're like, okay, I'm already in. B, it's about a cell phone pulse that turns everybody into mindless killers. Bing. And you got it. Yeah. And, and really like the thing was too, is like, you've got to hear the sound from a phone. So you've got to like take a phone and put it up to your ear. And what was cool about it is the way it like, assimilated people it sort of made them part of like a hive mind and he was trying to return his son from that like he, his son listened to the phone but he had his son with him the whole time he's uh. like kind of catatonic away from the hive mind and so like the last line of the book is it's like him trying to say it's it's really it's yeah. it's 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 a book that like really even Stephen King fans are like, what a fucking stinker. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I really like this goddamn book. I feel book. like maybe in a in a more modern era where cell phones are more prevalent than they were in 2006. Because in 2006, you could get away with not having a cell phone. I know. You know what I mean? That's like you true. could have a landline, you could have a work phone, and you were good. Most people most some people had cell phones. Well now, but, but now, now it's you, people don't have landlines, people don't have work phones, people don't have home phones. They have their cell phone with them everywhere. So, in a modern era, that could be a lot scarier. Maybe hit a little different than it did almost I, twenty years ago. Yeah, I'm completely with you. I think, I think though, it was ahead of its time. I think that that in a way though, those things are great because they're like time capsules. Like for me, I am a diehard lover of the Friday the 13th series. That's my favorite horror franchise. And one. those those movies rock because they're they're like perfect 80s time capsules. Yeah. Like you get 1980, 1981, 1982, like all the fashion, the the mannerisms, what they thought was cool. I mean, Jason our Friday 3 is like disco themed, so you get like a killer fucking goofy ass Jason like dance song in the beginning <laughs> friday four is is got like this great mashup of like you know you've got the 80s b actor like gold but then you've got like a young Corey feldman in it and hell yeah the hero but but it's i forget where i was going with that tangent oh time capsule yeah, the the series is great because it's like a time capsule, and I think with the cell, it's like going to be like an aughts time capsule. Yeah, I feel like a lot of his books are like that because sometimes um, I will li I listen to a lot of his books with audiobooks, and I'll start a book and I'll you know I'll get a certain amount into it and I'll be like, what year was this written? You know what I mean? And and I'm like, oh okay, eighty two. That okay, this that like explains. That, that explains why we didn't know this yet. Right, right, exactly, exactly. I'm like, well, that's a really weird like, I think, plot hole. I think like what you were talking about with Friday the Thirteenth, watching it progress mm -hmm. as not only as a time capsule, but watching horror progress. Mm -hmm. it, it just in those few years knowing that Stephen King did something similar with his stories where it went from less I mean I I know I don't know how much blood and gore he had but I know that probably it wasn't a lot compared to maybe other writers mm -hmm. and but then going away from like a blood and gore type situation to something a little more psychological yeah. and 
you know, going that route because that was about the time where where movies started going that creepy route rather than the shock factor jump scare route. Yeah, like yeah, horror evolved through the years and he evolved with it. And I don't know if it was a it's like a chicken or an egg thing. Was he on the forefront of making the creep factor stuff? Well, you got was he was gotta, he a product of his time? That's I think he's probably both, and and in that way, again, he plays such a pop culture icon because if he writes something and generally he's writing it from his perspective if the even if the character is female he can at least be like hey uh tabitha what are tits in a pussy like right. and she's like oh right. and like he sucks. and he, he'll recall on like his childhood a lot too yeah because he writes from a, like a child or teenager's perspective right a lot a and lot. and you know what he nails kids kids are fucking cruel yeah, yeah. I, I mean, 100%. especially in our day and age, I'm not sure about this day and age. I mean, they're still cruel. Right, Online, right. social media, I get it. I was going to say, sucks. it's just on the internet now instead of like on the schoolyard. Right. But you know what? Really quickly, Tangent is at one point in Cujo, he writes as a dog. Yeah. Like, f- from first person perspective as the dog. And you're like, this is 100% what a dog would be <laughs> thinking. And like, this is how he would be talking. And like, it's, it's such a silly little thing to think about. But that Ryan makes such a good point is like, he's always writing from the perspective of, you know, of the, of, of the of, protagonist. Yeah. <laughs> and it's always the dialogue may not be there, but you feel like you are. You get the sense of what the the environment is, like you yes, were mentioning, and what the characters are feeling, and what the you know it's the dialogue may not take you there, but because of the environment, and because of the context, and because of the development he's put forth, the exact words don't have to be. You get you yeah. get it, and you you know, and you take the context, and you I, can interpret. You you're, know what you're I mean? Left of course. To fill in the blank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think that's what makes him so great because I love what you said too, Greg. I it's it's fascinating for me to think of of an author that when he puts something out, how it. And the thing is, you know, Jesse, you were mentioning that they kind of panned uh, sell. Um, it's still so so prescient of that time, though. Just just the premise alone. Just the, I mean. If you think about it, the last twenty years have really been based around the the techno- technological advances. Yeah, and to go and to lean into something like that for a book definitely speaks for the time. And and O six would be that like probably, yeah, just pre iPhone, mm-hmm. but still really we were just getting out of high school. You know. They were big, like not everyone. Oh, yeah. You are right. Like there yeah, were some, yeah, but it was like, the time of like was, the um, they were in a lot of pockets. Razors, the, the like the BlackBerry and yes. Nokia's and and mm-hmm. Sidekicks and yeah, because it was a little before Sidekicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it yeah, was that's the, that's the horizon, it, and it, it was gestating in the world. I mean. Social media, I'm sure, I'll play an influence in some way in one of his novels and. Continuing on from there, so on February 16th, 2010, King announced on his website that his next book would be a collection of four previously unpublished novellas called Full Dark, No Stars. I remember that distinctly because I was like, I want to have a song title called Full Dark, No Stars. Because I was, I was always going to say it's one of my it's one of my favorite titles for sure. Yeah, it uh, it's tough as hell. 
<laughs> but it's it's it was one of those titles that I was in a post rock band at the time, and I was like, "That's that's a song title for an album or a song." I know it. Like, Not to get off topic, but post rock was that because you're all postmen? Or <laughs> <laughs> I definitely got that joke from some of my friends who came to our shows. But no, I just listened to a shit ton of Mogwai when I was in the Navy, and I was like, <laughs> I need to start a post rock band. God, Mogwai was so good though. <laughs> it was, it was my jam. Um, so in April of that year, King published Blockade Billy, an original novella issued first by Independent Small Press Cemetery Dance Publication and later released in mass market paperback by Simon & Schuster. The following month, DC Comics premiered American Vampire, a monthly comic book series written by King with his short story writer Scott Snyder. I read this. Actually, now that I think about it, I thought it was Scott Snyder. I didn't realize King was attached. What was the, what was the title? American Vampire. Oh, I, I it remember was a, it was a graphic novel. Yes, that's cool. Cool, that's way cool. Uh, I think Dude, actually I got American Vampire as a collection. It was a monthly comic book, but yeah, like the compendium. Yeah. Okay. Um. So he 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 writes American Vampire. King wrote the background history of the very first American Vampire, Skinner Sweet, in the first five issues story arc. Scott Snyder wrote the story of Pearl. So I would say it was that's a cool premise. The that history of the first American Vampire. I mean, you're yeah. gonna, you're going to probably have some gunslinger esque old west vibes. Sure, and he loves that. Oh yeah, I mean that's the gunslinger. The Gunslinger is a great book. The Dark Tower series of which it comes from essentially is that spaghetti western. Sergio Leone, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Clint Eastwood is basically Roland. It is what it is. The the Gunslinger... What is it, the opening? The Man in Black fled and the Gunslinger followed is like the opening line, which is like a perfect fucking... Exactly. There's your summation. It doesn't take two sentences. It's one. Yeah. And King's perfect at that. So, in uh, he did write a subsequent book, which you'll probably want to read after you finish all the main quest Dark Dark Tower books, called "The Wind Through the King Hole," that came out in 2012. King then wrote a book called "Joyland," a novel about an amusement park serial killer. There it is. There's your sentence. I'm sold. Boom. Let's make the movie. And it's good. Zoinks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Scoob. We got to figure this one out. Guy it's likes. Really t- good shaggy. <laughs> a really good shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's a good Scooby. Yeah. During his Chancellor Speaker Series talk at University of Massachusetts Lowell on December 7th, 2012, King indicated that he was writing a crime novel about a retired. <laughs> I thought that said. The uh, R slur instead there. I'm like a <laughs> hey, King, handicapped come on, buddy. <laughs> We're trying to talk good about you here. It's a different time. That's true. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, being taunted by a murderer. A retired policeman being taunted by a murderer. So work- this, this, yeah, is might be my one of my favorite, if not my favorite book. And that is exactly the stuff, the input I wanted to hear because I haven't read this book, but I've heard great things. So it's a trilogy. The Bill Hodges trilogy is so fucking fantastic because it also introduces Holly Gibney 
as a character, which mm-hmm. the new book in September uh, surrounds Holly Gibney. Mm-hmm. And there's another one before a short story, I believe, that has Holly. So you'll really start to like like that character out of it, I feel like. And then you mm-hmm. get to continue on with her after the Bill Hodges trilogy. So kind awesome. Of cool. But there, there's That's- Mr. Mercedes, even if you read yeah. it as a standalone book. Um so fantastic because you do like like greg was talking about earlier like things are definitely changing you know here he, he it's a very like almost procedural like crime procedural like it is written from the perspective of a retired detective which is who, insane because you're talking about an era where right in this time frame this is when you're getting all the boom from like serial from last podcast on the left, yeah, my favorite murder, yeah. like the true crime boom is happening here, and he's kind of in a way riding into like that, writing a like writing a procedural from the because the the detective is being taunted by like a his one unsolved crime, which is so he like perfect. retires and then like the criminals like yo remember me. And that's where Miss the me. yeah, and that's kind of where the book goes, and it's so so good. And that as a trilogy, I, and, and I know people love the Dark Tower, and I haven't oh, finished sure. it yet, so I can't speak to them. But for sure, um, it is it is such a good series. It's my favorite. Listening to you guys talk related about this makes of- me want to learn to read, so I can learn to write, so I can write something dope. Like Greg, you're gonna get there one day, buddy. We're working on it. All right. We got the worksheets printed out. We're gonna do some after we get done here with you, right? But baseball with a working title today, Junior. So, Mr. Mercedes, like you mentioned, is inspired by a true event about a woman driving her car into a McDonald's restaurant. She wanted it hot and ready, and they didn't drive have it. through. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it said it right there on the sign. I didn't. That's why they all have the arrows now. Yeah. You see, Marge, because of me, they have a warning. Oh, uh, officer, you mean to tell me I missed the handicap spot? My bad. <laughs> I Fuck. thought I hit the brakes. I Ugh. thought the sound of breaking glass was the warning. I was just trying to make bang or air bud. <laughs> Uh, nice try, lady. Someone already used that before when they almost killed Stephen King. <laughs> and they oh, ended dear. up dead. Was anybody hurt? <laughs> Shit. Oh, God. Uh, so, so, anyway, I I will have to check out Mr. Mercedes because that sounds awesome. And, you and me- it, it became a TV series, which, in my opinion, is a piece of shit. Don't bother. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, man, they flipped those so quick. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't like it, and they just they changed too much about the main character. Just to, they turned him into like um, he was like an like an older Irish cop, and I don't know. It just Bill Hodges had like such a good old like old Irish cop seems a little too on the money. Well, I don't know. It was just a, it was a change where like you you go three books with someone, yeah, and then they're like, no, now he's an old Irish guy. You're like, ah, fuck. <laughs> I know. I know, I know just, you didn't read it, but um. When they did when they did Tom Cruise's Jack Reacher, it pissed a lot of people off because he was supposed to be this great big mountain of a man, and they cast Tom Cruise. Oh, and a lot see, of and a lot of people were like, "Yo, he stands on soapboxes to match with people that are six feet tall." Yeah, like they, he's too short to be special right. forces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But great book, <laughs> and maybe someone will like the series. I really, really hated it. I get you. <laughs> I tried. I get I tried. you. Well, I think eventually. I mean. I, I feel like the fan base is so strong. I mean, even now, there's talks of Mike Flanagan directing a Dark Tower series. And 
that's exactly the type of pedigree I'd love to see because yeah. I don't know. I mean, and we'll get to it because obviously he did do the sequel to The Shining, Doctor Sleep, mm-hmm. uh, which is so good. Yes, yes, and I was so sure that I wasn't going to like it's. I see it's tricky because, and we didn't really touch on this. King didn't like Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. And I understand so different why. from his book. Yes. So different. I mean, King's concept, I get, and, and why he doesn't like it, I get, but man, the movie is so good to me, too, though. It is. There, and that's that's one where, like, you really got to separate them and be like, It's yeah, one of those, it would um, be a good book and a good movie it, if, it, they, it were, if they weren't is, called the same thing. Sure, sure. And, I mean, they are incredibly similar, but the, the endings are wildly different. I'm going to yeah. spoil it for anybody that hasn't read the book. Go for it. Uh, it's almost 50 years old now, so suck it. Uh, <laughs> we all know the end of the movie. He, you know, it's frozen Jack Nicholson out in the thing because the family got away and he froze out the thing. Well, in the book... He more sacrifices himself, knowing that like it's overcome him, and he, there's nothing that he can do anymore to like fight it. And so the his like main job as the caretaker of the hotel is that he's got to release the pressure of the boiler because it's an old boiler, and like you know, if we don't release the pressure, who knows? The safety valve's broke. You just got to come down here and manually release the pressure. Well, like he goes. Sounds down like a Resident like, Evil game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he he allows the pressure to build up and goes down with the ship, essentially. Yeah. In the book. And in the novel, he doesn't really go down. Or right. I mean, Sorry, in the movie, he doesn't kind of get that right. heroic ending. And I think that's what... Yeah, I get There's that. a lot of other different shit. But to <laughs> no, me, that's right. like a very, very significantly different ending. And almost saying like, nah, fuck your premise. Like he didn't even... I think that was his problem. Was it wasn't even like he didn't get a redemption like King wanted to give him because King got that redemption. Yeah, I, I so get it. Jack Torrance got that redic- redemption. I right. get it. It's like one, one's like Van Halen, one's like Van Hagar. They're sure. both good in their own right, but right. they're but yes. they're two separate entities. And as somebody who's a fan of both um, artists, oh for sure, uh, yeah. not not Van Halen and Van Hagar. No, uh, <laughs> I, I, I knew what you meant. <laughs> but Kubrick and uh, well, you and don't King. like Cabo Wabo, man. <laughs> you know, we live in a town that had a Cabo Wabo for a little bit. I had my twenty first birthday. It, it did not. Uh, oh, it did not last. Oh, <laughs> Sammy. <laughs> but um, I lost my train of thought. No, you were you were talking. Oh, yeah. Game. Sorry. Yeah, they're both amazing. They're yeah, both yeah. amazing <clears throat> and good, good as, in their own right. As far right. as Ryan said about like Stephen King will go down like in history, this these books will go down like with some of the most famous books of all time, as will The Shining in cinematic history. Yes. It, I think it holds that a place. Do you like think that. there's going to be a point in the future where we talked about like being in school? We had to read The Great Gatsby, we had to read Hatchet. Do you think there's going to be a point where Stephen King, because of his literary prowess, is going to be required reading for for uh, schools? I say no because Hatchet and The Great Gatsby and like those are like almost young adult books. Like they were written for high schoolers. Um, hmm. King books are. I mean, even if they took like some of the more tame short stories and put them together. I think there are definitely examples of things for sure that that you could read in a high school class. And I I would love to... um, I think like the... like 
well, we we touched on some of his dramatic stuff, like Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, which became the yeah. Shawshank Redemption. I could see them reading that. Some of his short stories are are. I mean, the thing about it is, in high school, you can do a book report on anything as long as you read it. So, right. If if that's because I did one on it. Right, and I did one. Um, on my one of my personal favorite authors, Neil Gaiman. Who I was inspired to read because of Stephen King. I saw a book on the back and it said Neil Gaiman is a treasure. I see. I remember the fucking one line that his kid probably yeah. read him the book of, but it, <laughs> he he saw it said Neil Gaiman is a treasure trove of story and we're lucky to have him. And I was like, oh, that's Stephen King. Like, is it on American Gods? I, actually, I think it was Neverwhere because Neverwhere was the first one I read, and I fucking still to this day think that is a criminally underrated and should have been made into a killer movie year decade a decade ago in the nineties at, at least. But um, yeah, no, I K- King is it, it's tricky with The Shining. I think Kubrick probably saw the premise of the movie and took it and made it his own style because he knew he had Jack Nicholson, which did you know Kubrick was hoping to make a Napoleon movie and have uh, Jack Nicholson play uh, Napoleon? No, but God damn it, why were we robbed of that? I I wish that I never did know that. Yeah, I I do feel (laughs) slighted by the universe now. It sucks that we never got, especially because I'm a huge Kubrick fan and I fucking love Barry Lyndon and to think of how beautifully shot that would have been in a Jack Nicholson Napoleon performance. Oh, God. To just hear Jack Nis- Nicholson going, yes, I am Napoleon. <laughs> no, he would have done it. He, I Just to hear him out, you can't handle the truth. Yeah. like yeah. <laughs> hey, Juliet, I've been writing you, but you've been leaving me on red. What the fuck, bitch? I can see it. No, I love it. Let's do it ourselves, guys. Come on, we yeah, can do this. I, let's get you know a Kickstarter what? going now. I say we end up just doing a Napoleon episode next time because I fucking love talking about Napoleon Bonaparte. He's fucking fascinating. Hey, listen, just, I would say I have a cursory uh, knowledge, but I'll research in between now and then. Do it. It would be so much fun. Uh, he's fascinating. Anyway, so Stephen King, he has been prolific. He keeps on keeping on. During a tour to promote his book, End of Watch... King revealed that he had collaborated on a novel set in a woman's prison in West Virginia with his son, Owen King, titled Sleeping Beauties. And I have not read this. It's also good. Awesome. It's good to have somebody to say it's also good. Yeah. I'm glad that he collaborates with his sons. If I had a kid and he, I guess... I don't know, wanted to be a mailman or a podcaster or even play in rinky-dink garage bands, I would be happy to work with them on like Guide anything. them on that journey. Yeah. yeah and collaborate with them. It's like watching Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Jr. play in the same game. Yeah, like, that. it's just kind of, it's one of those once-in-a-lifetime things that not everybody gets to do. Exactly. And it's, I mean, the way people are living, hopefully, like, living well in this modern age... You would hope that when they get of age, you know, they want to, you know, they, we have similar interests, you know, if they're riding in dad and mom's car, they're probably going to hear dad and mom's music. Yeah. If they like dad and mom's music, maybe they take an interest in playing music or maybe they take a, an interest in art if you're an artist or whatever. 
that kind of thing, you know, I think is is great. And hopefully everybody gets to share in that sort of thing because that's one of my favorite. When my kid like can mimic a Phil Collins drum solo just like dad does on a steering wheel, A plus day. Yeah, yeah my kid the other day, because I, I will cave to my kids a lot and listen to some Disney music with them. Oh, yeah. Uh, but my kid walking through the house singing Circa Survive the other day just really <laughs> touched my heart. Hey, my kids singing along the chorus to a periphery song that I'm blasting <laughs> in my car is rad. You're like, I've made it. That's right. Yeah. So up until the modern day here, we're going to just kind of finish this part out. But in 2018, he released the novel The Outsider, which featured the character of Holly Gibney as... as Jesse alluded to, and the novella Elevation. In 2019, he released the novel. The Elevation Inst- is fun and such a quick read. <clears throat> yeah, if you're if you guys if you guys like to read, but you don't like long books, his short stories and novellas are oh. fantastic. You can grab one of his collections too that Ryan's talked about. Yeah, because you can honestly, some of those are broken down in like hour long stories. You can read it yeah. over an hour, or you can, and then you got twelve stories to read. Yeah, and they're really, really fantastic. Yeah, I I had one. I think it was Everything Ends or one of the collections. Everything is eventual. Everything is eventual. Thank you. Yeah, with the with the wine glass full of uh, yes. blood. Yep. Yep, yep. That's my favorite one. Yeah, that's, that's such a good. Uh, I have. I have broken yeah. many a toilet seat reading that book growing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good book. So that would be like if, if somebody's listening and wants to get a start, That's something a great like way. that is perfect because literally just little bite-sized chunks. Yep. Little bite-sized chunks. Yep. Yeah. In 2020, King released If It Bleeds, a collection of four previously unpublished novellas. And in 2022, King released his latest novel. Now, this is according to the info I took from Wikipedia, Fairy Tale. Now... Yes, I think he has something in the pipe for 2023. I mean, the guys. I, I think I think you get something this year. Actually, um, in September, another Holly Gibney book is coming out. Awesome, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Also, the Institute was really recent and one of my favorites that he's ever done. Oh wow! I think 20 maybe 19 or 2018 maybe maybe not even that far back. So good, so so good. Um, like really returned to classic King for me. It really. I, I, I it was one that I read after I listened to, mm-hmm. and when I listened to it on audiobook, it was like one where I was getting home and sitting out in the driveway for maybe 30, 45 minutes sometimes, just getting into the end of a chapter. My wife would be like, where are you? I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. 2019. <laughs> 2019. So very recent, very good, very good. When I I had the same, I because I did the audiobooks for all of A Song of Ice and Fire, and when my one of my all-time favorite books is A Storm of Swords, which is the third book in that series, the Game of Thrones writer series. And I couldn't leave the car multiple times driving home from work when that was playing because yeah. I was just like, oh, my God, I need to know how this fucking yeah. is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Or I'd be like, I'm going to mow the lawn and then just stand outside by the mower, just like listening with my earbuds, like <laughs> yeah, staring out you. into nowhere. Yeah, just fuck you, Joffrey. I hope you die. You know, <laughs> get all existential doing yard work. Yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> Honey, you haven't even turned on the weed whacker. What are you doing? Just What's standing? the fucking point? Shut up. When I turn the weed whacker on, I can't hear my story. You know, everything ends eventually, bitch. And, and things did end. But anyway, <laughs> that's a little inside baseball for Rad Dad's <laughs> life. 
Anyways, she's great, and I care for her. But continuing on, I will mention that one of King's biggest influences are uh, Richard Matheson in a current edition, um, The Shrinking Man. Yes, and he wrote, uh, he is legend. Yes, yep, 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 yep. Which is actually, uh, the Will Smith movie is getting a sequel, according to what I heard recently. He's... He's got to stop slapping celebrities. So, yeah. Some other. Say, is it going to be Will Smith versus a bunch of Chris Rock? <laughs> no, but you know that somebody will deep fake that like the second it's possible. <laughs> it'll, just be, it'll just be a Snapchat filter. Turn your friends <laughs> into Chris Rock and slap them. Um, some other big influences HP Lovecraft, Ray Bradbury, Elmer Leonard, John McDonald, and Don Robertson. Uh, he said The Shining was influenced by The Mask of Red Death by Edgar Allan Poe, another great American author. I would love to do an episode on Edgar Allan Poe, too, which supposedly there are conspiracies that he died because of uh, ballot box stuffing. Some some roustabouts were like, fuck you, drunk. Put these ballots in this thing and he's like oh boy I'm gonna write a poem about a crow and fell in a pond and then they got stomped to death or something I want to say there's a movie coming out about his military service whoa Edgar Allan Poe's military service god could you imagine like very soon like it might be coming out like very (laughs) might have just come out or is coming out in the next month or so but all right men get ready to charge the other uh, trenches google it real quick if you don't because the title's interesting too but uh it's if you want to go Edgar Allan Poe route, um, I'd love to join you on that one too. Oh, for sure, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, he's, he's, it's, you know, people tell me like, I, Bill from, Blue Eye. It, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Is that the one with Christian Bale? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. That was a Netflix movie. I'm not sure if that was his military. I haven't seen it yet. That's what it says. Hmm. Interesting. Young Edgar Allan Poe as a cadet on the grisly murder at a U.S. military academy. Ah. It came out in 2022. So it's not it's not as new as I thought. It's on Netflix, but it came out in 2022. Yeah. Interesting. I was going to say, I didn't know he was in the service. I thought for sure he was... It kind of... He's... I mean, he... He was very well. It's based on a novel, so perhaps it is just a fictionalization <laughs> of it. <laughs> hey, man! Hey, but fucking that ground pose there. It's got his name in it. I'll take it. Hey, I'm gonna introduce it as canon. Yeah, there you go. Hey, <laughs> fuck it. We do what we want on the interwebs when we're hanging out, being buds, dudes. I feel like we could go on and on for days about this. I don't really know what else we could talk about with Stephen King. I mean... I think we covered it pretty well. I, the, everything's there. Adaptation... We gave him a little grief. We didn't We didn't just suck him off the whole time. I mean, he's amazing. I will say this. He, he is. He is. No one is without their flaws. Oh, for sure. I mean... Uh, there's, some, there's some bad endings out there that have really great beginnings and middles. 
but read the whole things because you can tell everybody about the great beginnings and middles and the the bad ends. Tommy Knockers. Uh, we'll <laughs> yeah, just so you uh, can join in on the, on the on the shitty ending memes. You know what is something? <laughs> it's something that I don't think we mentioned uh, either of us, but is a both a had an adaptation that I loved, even though it's so fucking terrible. And the the short story was the Langoliers. Oh, you're right. Yes, are you familiar with? Uh, I don't. I haven't. The... I haven't read the book or seen the. It was like a TV miniseries, I think. Yeah, yeah. Basically, um, it, it's about reality eating monsters. Interesting. Like they eat reality. Cool. So check uh, it out. It's the the. They the... made a movie about the DMV. Yeah. <laughs> the the adaptation is so bad. This it's like early CGI. Cool. And it's just fucking like it's like late 1990s sci-fi channel just CGI. A, like it's bad, bad. Just got a N64 I, Yoshi running through it. Yes, yes, but I really love it. <laughs> but the short story is really um really good. And the ending is great uh from that one. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Just something I wanted to mention at the end there. No, I, I, I was going to say, obviously, we've mentioned that he's phenomenal. Check out Maximum Overdrive. Check out check out a book. Check out the short stories. Check out Joe Hill. His son's got great uh, great books. Nosferatu. Yeah, Nosferatu. Yeah, Horns is really good. Yep, Horns, which was uh, also a... Which also made a movie with yep. Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, if you like... Um, like political history, check out eleven twenty two sixty three. It's a time yeah. travel. You were telling me about that. Yeah, one. so that one's got a Hulu series, and I think James Franco plays the main character. Um, Kennedy? No, no, no. Plays no. like the guy who goes back in time. But ah. um, the book is really, really great. I read it fairly recently, and yeah, I was kind of like keeping Greg up with it as I was reading it because it, I was he so was like, all by it. He was like, yo, did what? So did this happen or was this like, was this part of real or was because this- he did Stephen King took like, um, he based it on, it was a lot of very historically accurate information. Um, but also it had a time traveler who's trying to stop Lee Harvey Oswald. That part didn't happen that I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, if you know, he's that's, I think, I, I guess my closing statement about him would be that like, if you are somebody who, likes to be scared and you like the idea of being scared by a monster mm-hmm. or you like the idea of being scared by a spirit mm-hmm. or you like the idea of being scared by something real like just a person or you like the idea of being scared by whatever it is something supernatural by uh, a car that we made he has it all we made you <laughs> we made you or if you just want like a like almost like just a serial killer. We talked about he talked about Joyland. Yeah. Um crime pr- procedural, a time traveling political drama. It, he literally has it all and you can pick something from somewhere and you and you'll be like fuck I really love that. I will mention and I I don't know if we went into it too in depthly Richard Bachman was his other name for writing yeah. and it was yep. it was his opportunity to pen other stories just basically I think out of like the 70s kind of paranoia he had that oh shit what if this is a one off me you know carrying these Yeah books. like he basically wanted to know that he could get famous again like know that he could make it not I could, as I could do King. it twice and he did and one of my favorite stories is, and I cannot remember the critic's name, but he, there was like a Stephen King hater. Like every time a book came out, this critic was like, ah, here's why this one's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Well, when Richard Bachman came out, 
this guy loved Bachman and yeah. raved about him. And one of the best quotes that came from this critic was that Richard Bachman was what Stephen King could do if Stephen King was a good writer. Uh, <laughs> dude, well, it's interesting, too. He wrote a book called Rage about a kid who shoots up his class. Uh, so I have a collection of short stories that went out of print, I think, like in the early 90s that I bought for a not a crazy amount of money, but like more than you would on a book normally because I could not find a copy of Rage and I wanted to read it. So I have it. Um, mm. And it is a fucked up story because he yeah. took it out of print, right? Yeah. 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 yeah he, it was like in a school shooter's locker and he was like, eh, let's maybe not print any more of those. Well, that's that's what's crazy about it is that he literally... And I, I, I agree with this. If you're an artist and you've done something... I, 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 it's kind of that argument too because he, he also rallied against people trying to shoot down video games being, you know, the influence of right school shooters or violence and then how it leads to like things like Columbine. I I appreciate though when an artist is like, look, this was found in the locker of one of the or in the backpack of one of the victims of something. I personally feel against this being out there it's obviously something when it comes to king another knack that he has is really digging into the psyche of not just people but like the whole hive mind as a whole and i think he just nailed something that maybe to him he just wanted to be able to sleep a little better at night and having well and rage by the end of it you're siding with the school shooter yeah so, that's the tricky part yeah exactly you're you're like man that guy was an anti-hero you know like he he had some really great points those yeah. bullies had it coming yeah. that's that's how i feel when i read the unabomber's manifesto <laughs> yeah. as a poster worker ryan does not appreciate that technology hey, is a problem um it is no i can no there's parts of the Ted Kaczynski wrote some interesting shit and uh, yeah. may have been involved in MK Ultra, but that's a future thing. But I, I do is with Stephen King, like I, I appreciate pop culture. Yes, like that. That's that's the thing that I really appreciate is the influence that he's had on pop culture. And like, I mean, not to keep beating the Simpsons drum, but like when you were talking about him getting hit by a car, there's a Simpsons episode where he gets hit. He's like out for a, a late night fog walk or something like Flanders. And he gets hit <laughs> by a car. And as he's tumbling through the air, he goes, this gives me an idea for a story. And he starts writing something down. <laughs> and by the time he hits the ground, tucks and rolls, he stands up and he's like, wow, that's pretty good. Done. <laughs> like, yeah. And like, guess I forgot to put the fog lights in. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I get, I get the, the, References knowing that they, they play in a band together. Matt yeah. Granning and Stephen King play in a band together. So that makes it, it feels again more like inside baseball, where they're like, he's taking shots at his friend rather than just making obscure pop culture references. Yeah. But the effect that he's had on pop culture throughout the decades is and, that like he can take a shot at his friend and everybody gets it yeah he can yes. take he can take a shot at his friend who got in an accident and the rest of the people consuming that media immediately understand yeah, the reference yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that he's just he's just kind of that ubiquitous yes greg jesse you guys have fucking nailed it also one last thing i want to say richard bachman the name came from one of his favorite bands bachman turner overdrive 
Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Get to the taking care of business part. Although you just <laughs> you just summoned up the song that we're going to go out on. But anyways, <laughs> boys, it has been a honor and a privilege to talk with you tonight. Why don't you uh, tell everybody out who's listening where they can find you and check you boys out at? If you just go to SerialChillersPod.com, it'll take you to everywhere we are. Almost everywhere. LonelyFansWithTwoZs.com. That's true. Lonely. I mean, you can go. That's real and we own it. Go ahead and just visit that site. Awesome. Well, (laughs) I'm a fan of you guys. You guys still have a Patreon going or? Yep. yep. Okay, perfect. And Serial Chillers Pod, we put it right on top. So don't worry. If you want to give us money, it's very easy to find. Sweet. Give them money. They rule. We like they're, that. Thanks, we, man. They, they're they're my boys. If I ever make it out to Cali, I have to come visit you you guys. Um, if you like this show, though, check us out on Instagram, Zanzizi Podcast. Also, if you want to suggest an episode, I can add it to the Google Drive, and we can uh, peruse the said list, and maybe it will be an episode. But thank you. Follow us uh, five stars. That's one thing. Give us five stars on the iTunes and the Spotify. If you leave us a review, we will read it also on the show. And I've got some of those coming next week. Thank you, boys. Thank you for joining me. Our pleasure. Pleasure was all ours. Awesome. Well, I I just wanted to feel important. (laughs) It's got to get the last word. No, I don't. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, we will see you next week. Have a great one.